Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back. To Just Servants. What do we got for them today, Ryan? Oh, we got a room full of people today. We have a room full of people. Today, we have uh, a live audience here. Let's hear it, boys. Now, I, I promise we are not copying Snow Camp. That is not what we're doing here. It's not. It's, this is actually our devos for the night because yeah. we have a very, very wise and hardworking okay. and humble yeah, keep it up. man. Yes, come on. Okay. The heart like David and like I once said, the body like Goliath. Come Let's on. hear it for, <laughs> for Ben Guterres. Yeah. Ah, I killed it, Gabe. Yeah. Ah. Not quite, but we'll let you believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm basically... A Spanish speaker myself. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Almost there. Almost there. That's awesome. We have our roommate sitting right here, and he would refuse to say it on the podcast. Disappointed in Gabe. <laughs> Gabriel. Now, Ben, the first question we're going to ask you is, who are you? Who are you? I am a guy that can't believe I'm in this dorm room with him. <laughs> podcast right now. Um, this is a first. I'll be honest. I've been here as a student. I've taught here 11 years and uh, as a guest lecturer and alumnus, and I... This is a first, and I love it. I wish we could do this more and more. Um, so, um, let's say I'm like layers of an onion. I'm complex. Complex. So, I'm a husband to Tammy, married 26 years on May 31st. I'm a oh, wow. father to Lauren and Emma, who's uh, Emma's 18 and Lauren's 21. And I'm, uh, I guess I'm a professor at Liberty, or at uh, Word of Life, I mean. I was a professor of Liberty for 18 years, and then... I'm a pastor, Grove Church in Richmond, Virginia. Um, hopefully a good friend to a bunch of people and follower of Christ and try to make that all work. And now you're a speaker on uh, Just that's, Servants That's podcast. adding to my resume, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so going to tout this on the website. <laughs> so, your children are 18 and 21. 18, 21. Two girls. I had three boys, or th three brothers growing up, or two brothers, three boys total. And we were so hard-headed, and I'm like, God, just you got to give me girls, because I know how like stupid we were. And um, I just prayed for girls, and God blessed me with girls. Have they gone through the BI? No, they oh. actually haven't. They do want to come and visit yeah. Um, yeah, and check it out. So we're going to let the audience get some questions in. So one question before we get into the deep stuff, before we get into those questions. I know that was... <laughs> That was a lot of lot of information right there. But what was what was different? What's different now than whenever you came here as a student? Oh my gosh! Okay, so everyone will go to facilities, and that that's the god honest truth. We we were in council hall, and then snow camp. We had to take the arm rails. Do they still do that? Like take the arm rails off, or they were like, okay, I'm dating myself. You would like <laughs> we've heard stories. Yeah. And then you <laughs> load them under Columbia Hall in the snow and then bring them back out and there was only one classroom and you had to like make it work for everything um, the food I saw your menu mm -hmm. so you guys maybe like be like gross but I'm like wow this is a what? step up from when we I mean when we had chicken patties that was like woo. Um, <laughs> let's yeah, see Chris we're is telling us about that Chris yeah out. that we're was still. like when they announced that we're like happy day we're still happy about chicken patties <laughs> yeah <laughs> the tradition continues on uh, but I found myself a lot what what has stayed constant is this gas station right around the corner oh, yeah. Off, yeah yeah right off the uh, interstate Oh my god, the pizza and the sandwiches. Oh my god. That's yeah, our pizza. sponsors for this this episode. Right. Yeah. And that's where I'm going after this, and by the way. Nord, NordVPN. Don't forget about NordVPN. Yeah. <laughs> 
so that's that's uh, that stayed constant. But um, I, the spirit's the same. That's that's kind of cool. And uh, I've only started teaching second year for a couple years, and so that that spirit's cool too. Yep. And so with you teaching second year, I have one uh, question that I I was just thinking of. It's like you told us how you prayed for us before you came. And so, how do you pray for all of us? So, it's just a list of names, and you don't Damn. even know us. So, how do you pray for us intentionally without knowing us and just reading a name um, off a piece of paper? You know, so that that is the funnest thing. I started doing that about 11 years ago when I first started. And they said, well, we don't do that. No prof asks. And it's not that profs are bad. They're busy. And I just said, well, I do that. I, I want to... I don't know, can God give us a connection? So I would see these names and all these Hispanic names, you know, Ryan, the people that can pronounce my name right. um, <laughs> correctly. And I would just... Uh, like I, me. I was just... Yeah. <laughs> that was like Spanglish. But, um, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Duolingo there. But it was... Yeah! <laughs> it was just like, it's weird how God kind of gives me these names and it's just like, this is so like really cool and I just kind of want to meet these people. And so... Like tonight, I mean, the reason why we're starting late is because I was in the class all, all night just talking to people and hearing the names and going, God, I wonder what their journey is. And so you kind of pray with anticipation. You're like, what's their story? And I didn't get any miraculous like, oh, I bet you this Levi guy is really like a drunken, you know, fool and away from the Lord. Uh, well, that that turned out true. But it, it's, just, it's so cool when you have these thoughts and then. And it, it, it teaches you not to prejudge. It's just, it's it's kind of like a, a teaser. And uh, so I just said, whatever they are dealing with. And then this week I've learned what they are dealing mm-hmm. with. And now I'll go home and I'll pray over this list now twice. And I can pray intelligently. It's it's a cool honor. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So what would you say to like people that have these lists of names that they're praying for, like uh, some family members or friends, over time sometimes they lose their intentionality of why they're praying for. It's just yeah. like reading names off a sheet. How would you, how would you go about telling them or giving advice to them to be intentional with it still? Oh, absolutely. It's got to be specific. It's got to be repetitive. And think about, think about if you had to see them the next morning and they go, what did you pray for me for? Or are you praying for me? And you, you just think of what you're going to report. It can't be a list. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, Okay, so I'm a pastor and I'm saying this. When it becomes a list, just names and go, just pray for these all people, just give it up. Because yep. it, it's not it's not really even doing much at all, to be quite honest. Um, and if you're not into it, I, I think the intentional prayers have to be really specific. And the Lord answers specific prayers. So if we want specific miracles, you got to be specific. Which means you're probably going to be able to, you're probably humanly going to have to limit your list. So people, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no glory in like having 200 lists of names. What we do at our church, we break them down in groups of five and seven so people can manage and intentionally like really articulate really thorough prayers on them. And um, yeah, it, it goes against a little bit of kind of the legalistic religion I grew up in, but that's just mm-hmm. what God calls for. Yep. Now, you said specific, and we're going to jump a little topics over, topics over, uh, <laughs> and we're going to talk about um, language in the Bible and oh, yeah. how to use the old language of the Greek and Hebrew. Oh, yeah. Now, you use specific as a I word. don't do that, by the way. Oh, wow, I, really? I want to try and do that, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, do you know much of the languages of Greek and Hebrew? Did, uh, did you write a textbook? I did. I wrote so. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of yeah the nerdery. <laughs> yeah, uh, me and Ryan once wrote a Hebrew textbook. 
Yeah, we did. Toes. Yeah. I actually used my eye at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, let's, let's hear this. Let's I hear believe this. you. Yep, almost. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was my first textbook I wrote, and I did it because academically, as a career, you have to, to be a professor, you have to do academic research. And so I grabbed one of my students, and we co-authored this book. And hardly anyone bought it, but it was like with a tier one publisher, and it had uh, all these exercises and things. Mm-hmm. And um, what I was finding were students were just translating it because they wanted to learn, but they weren't applying it to scripture. So we edited it and made every word a word they would find in the New Testament, and we changed all of our exercises to scripture passages. And yeah. then we yep. saw them start eating eating it up. So it, it started as a career thing, but I realized it's so necessary. I'll tell you a funny story I didn't share in class, but um, there was a moment in my undergraduate studies that I actually thought I was going to drop out of Greek in my first oh. semester. And I called this pastor friend and I said, is Greek really necessary? Because I got a heavy schedule and I don't know. And the pastor said that I so respect it. He goes, no, you don't need it. There's a lot of resources out there. And and no lie, I was about to hang up the phone. He goes, oh, wait, 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 Pastor Mark just walked in. Let me ask him. And Mark walked in the room. He's in Michigan. Walked in. And he goes, Mark, Ben's asking about Greek. Do you think it's so important? And Mark, over the phone, I could hear him go, yeah, it's so, it makes it vivid. It's so, and it was, God brought that man in. Mm. And off that conversation, I said, I'm going to stay with it. Yep. I would have quit it and class would have been so different. It's yep. so, I, I believe in it. It's very vivid. So does it, does it help a lot? Like, is it very helpful or is it kind of one of those things where as you're reading, you're like, oh, well. Yeah, like could have done without that. It's a, it, it is not necessary. In scripture, there's a doctrine called the doctrine of perspicuity, which means theologically the truth is essentially clear and you don't need to know languages. It's a, it, the gospel is kind of like right there and it's clear you don't need to know scholarly language or theology. But if you want to commune with God intimately, intelligently, the languages make the concept more vivid. So you can hear God is love and that's enough and mm-hmm. you can accept the gospel know that salvation and it's enough and he'll save you but there is a uh, uh if you want to know the vividness on how to articulate prayers in a very specific way the languages help you it's like a prism you know you hold it to a light and then all of a sudden the yeah. light splinters into different lights and that's the vivid the nuances but it's not it's not necessary to be a christian or to live a, a life that will honor the lord yep so today in class i saw your passion about this so I want to ask you how to kill pride oh my goodness yeah and I and and I usually don't go as far as I did with you guys in class and I just shared a personal it was very vulnerable I'll be honest and and but I just felt comfortable with this group that honestly y'all wouldn't judge and you know here's a providence like if respect dropped I, mm-hmm. I worried about that but the Lord impressed on my heart to do it and um, it is it is a face-to-face combat it's it's you have to address it you can't nuance you can't just fluff it over and go well you know sometimes i struggle you have to call it what it is and you have to invoke the spirit and say kill it kill it kill it and you it's it's like you have to run to god more it's not so much fight the battle because evil one doesn't listen to me or he only listens to christ so you run to christ commune with the spirit i mean a god during that story i told you when i said i prayed that night what i didn't share is the whole next week I maintained what I called a God consciousness. Everywhere I walked, every person I saw, everything I did, I would turn to Christ somehow, some way. I was like in this constant communion state that week, and it just made darkness flee. And it it, it is not a light thing. And uh, and here's the thing: here's the thing. Anyone that deals with sin, 
the evil one's going to go back and tempt them because they know that's once tripped you up. So being tempted again isn't bad. You just got to kill it quick and so it doesn't come up again. But I, well, let me ask you, was that, I worried, and, and kind of this is going to help me, I worried that that would make people think different. But uh, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, you're a pastor. You, why are you sharing that story? But to me, I felt like, we're all walking life together. Yeah, is that kind of how it came out? Yeah, I, I think it was great. It, we really had something to connect with, and uh, it's like we're learning on more of a personal level. Yeah, so, cool. So, yeah, it, make cool. It, it made it seem like you weren't um, holy and set apart yeah. from us. Like, <laughs> oh, shoot. Wait, wait. <laughs> set apart. Yeah. Like, okay. Who, who was set apart? Oh, just this normal man. <laughs> wait, wait. Do you know anything about this man? Okay. You're set apart. I... Um, and what this man did for us? Yes. Well, I'll tell you this. The uh, I love the story of Jesus. We talked about that tonight. And I take every opportunity in Richmond, Virginia, Richmond metro area, the Washington, D.C. area that gets our, our broadcast. We have about 35,000 people that watch on TV. And I, every Sunday, get the awesome privilege to share this, that every person is a creation of God. And every person is the most beautiful creation of God, most beautiful thing in the world. Um, but mankind disobeyed God and they once had a peaceful relationship and it broke and now man doesn't have that peace with God and they know it in their heart and they know it's not right but mankind over the years has tried to make it right they try to go to church maybe even go to a Bible school or whatever memorize scripture do charitable things go to Christmas and Easter service and they just can't quite get it uh, peace with God and they realize that it's my fault and I have to pay for my sin and the story goes that no man can pay for their sin. We need a man to pay for our sin, but no man is holy. Only God's holy. So in reality, we need a God-man because the only person is holy is God and only man is, is sinful, but we needed a perfect man and only God. So God wrapped himself in flesh, came to this earth as a perfect man, took our sin on the cross and paid the only acceptable sacrifice and then rose again and said, whoever calls on me, will be saved and that's when man can restore peace see we get saved to have peace with god right now not just to go to heaven heaven is a continuation of that peaceful relationship Mm -hmm. and hell is a continuation of not having peace and uh i love sharing that i mean that's why we're life is all about that's what we talk about tonight that's why we love the god man we love jesus amen so guys do y'all have any questions for dr ben here anything Anyone, come on up. Where's the brave soul? Now, on the mic, we have Drew Bubar, our RA. Drew! Where's home? Uh, So, home originally was back in Maine, about the mid-coast area, but as of late, it's about 10 minutes down the road. Okay. My family's been locals for about two years now-ish, give or take. Are you related to the Bubar family? I am. I'm John's son, actually. No, you are not! (laughs) Yeah! No! John, are you, no, that's here. Yeah, dead on. Oh my God. <laughs> that's oh my God. I'm having a moment. John was the it's biggest great. inspiration to me as a student. I, mm-hmm. I would watch him, study him when he would present to the staff, and I, I thought there's no way I'll ever reach his height. <laughs> he was like such a good communicator. He was Love holy. Yes. <laughs> Fourth person of the Trinity. John was. Oh, don't talk about Mark Stroud like that. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, no. please tell him I said. Oh, we'll, for we'll sure. send him a video or something. I mean, 
Oh we'll figure my that out God. for sure. This is awesome. But I remember about a couple years. Oh, hmm. Right. So I remember about. Oh, I have to be over here. There. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> all the way down. That, that's perfect. So a, a couple years back, I remember you were a professor when I was still over at the uh, council hall. Okay. And so, honestly, thinking about the amount of time that you've been like here studying this one book specifically, teaching it, what keeps you so engrossed in it? How do you keep teaching it in different ways? Because honestly, I sat in on the class and I was hearing things I never heard last time I took your course. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, that's that's what we'll all kind of run into. Um, I. You have to. You have to really believe in your heart. You can never exhaust the scriptures and. When it becomes routine, the people are going to feel it right away. And you'll feel it before you come. So you're right. It's, mm-hmm. You have to keep it fresh. But but you really, I don't have to work hard at it. There's so much. Uh, to say that tonight was just scratching the surface is an understatement. And there's so much vividness, um, the depths of it. And what I love now, what, so, okay, so I spent 15 years studying this book. Right. And, but what I find very exciting is now I find excitement going, okay, here's the truth and I've, I've unearthed it. Okay, great. There may be another way to say it, but now I love hearing how it applies to this person. And those are endless. Those are like, and then when you have an 84 year old grandmother, we have a 99 year old woman in our church and she loves talking about the scriptures and to hear her insights of faith. She was born 16 years before, you know, world war. Wow. Two. And, uh, her, she only knows the Great Depression, and when she talks about having joy as a teenager, only knowing depression and you know selling potatoes and things like that, now the applications of Philippians are like all vivid. So then you start linking it to scriptures, and so it, God keeps it fresh. If it's if it gets routine and mundane, mm-hmm. God just like shuts it down. So mm-hmm. now I appreciate that insight because I've never struggled with a routine, mm-hmm. and if you look at my notes, I mean you gotta look at these notes, dude. There's no oh, I saw way. Them earlier. Have you seen? There's no way to. I and I, I'm telling you the honest truth. I write these notes so that I can't like just rehearse a script. So that's that's tomorrow, oh, and it's just wow. like, and it's just like okay, we'll glean something. So it's I a bunch of words. Oh wait, with it's a, upside down. There. With a bunch no, of <laughs> with a bunch of lines and it's basically circles. Hebrew at this point. Yeah, it's hieroglyphics. So, so it's, it's just Egypt. like I, I make sure I don't do anything that just I can repeat a script. That's a great question, by the way. Any other questions for the audience here? This is awesome. I appreciate that. John Boobar, son. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. No more questions? I don't think. Oh, we got one coming. Oh, never mind. Oh, two coming. Two coming. We have last two right here. First up, we have Benji. Okay. So what do you recommend for someone that could potentially be interested in learning Greek? What would be a good starting point for that yeah so um the be- the two answers one is there's a whole lot of resources and uh they're good so i would check out the resources and do what i would call kind of an independent study try and learn them independent of learning the greek language like a student so um that's good because you're going to return to them even if you are a greek student so get to know the resources well and and start to fall in love with how they look because you're going to you're going to use those as a Greek student. But the first thing you should do honestly is learn the alphabet and learn each vowel how they say it and so you can open a Greek New Testament and read it and someone listening will be like, "Wow, you are a scholar." <laughs> if you can just read it and you you'll sound like you're a pro, that is half the battle because some people can't get the O and the A's different and all that stuff and then when they start getting vocabulary and verbs and participles, they they just defeat themselves. So 
I would literally learn. There's a great book by David Allen Black, page eight. He has this little alphabet little thing, and I'll even write something out for you guys if you want. And then just just grab a couple copies of the Greek New Testament and just read for five minutes. Don't read to the end of the page. You'll get like seven words, uh, eight words, nine words, 12 words. And then after five minutes, you'll get to 20 words and just start reading the same words again and again. You'll find out in five minutes, you'll get longer. Don't read two pages just for five minutes and you'll start to see how it flows. And once you can read it and read a word without being troubled, like confused, what what's the spelling, then become a Greek student. That's the absolute best thing. I've had people fail out because they didn't take time to do that before the class started. Very much. But you'll go back to the resources that you that everyone uses. You'll just be able to use it quicker and you'll know where resources are sometimes wrong. So okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Great, great question. Sweet. Thank you, Benji. Now we have one more, one last question. Mr. Nate. <laughs> Here we go, man. Right. From Yukon. Connecticut right now. Yeah. Connecticut. Grew up in New York. I believe in you. All right, <laughs> Professor, this may not be in your exact realm of responsibility or knowledge, it's but I figured... <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, right. But my question All has to do with... Uh, it's it, it kind of delving into the political realm a little bit, but it's just oh, more of an allusion to it. Um, people... There's a lot of conversation about how communism is a failed ideology, that it's in all forms of failure. But a lot of things that communism espouse such as workers' rights, people who, like, hey, everybody is in this together, has a lot of uh, similarities to Christianity. A lot of the everybody love one another, everybody belongs to one another, a lot of that communal living. And what makes Christianity successful that communism doesn't seem to find success in this world? Oh, good. Interesting question. You're, you're right. That's out of my wheelhouse a little bit. I, I'll just say that anything imbalanced, imposing wills upon people, and the choice of obedience is imposed upon someone is imbalanced. So maybe take that principle and throw it on whatever. Even Christianity, when the Crusades, you know, and they're making people become Christians or die, very imbalanced. Um, there is a value of people that always has to be in a community there has to be an acknowledgement of one lord and the leadership should be prayed for as they lead them in the principles of the one lord um and wherever that falls on communism probably is is probably doesn't and doesn't work um yeah i think those those are the guiding principles but the the community uh, see there's there's love for people but then how you exercise that and take care of them can get very very imbalanced um and probably their method of some one preacher in california just said this last week he said that the the principles of capitalism and free enterprise are promoted in scripture well those words don't exist but his principles about like let people prosper it's good to be wealthy but do good with your wealth don't don't tell the wealthy to hoard tell them to give um and to not talk down about them that's how they get that so if that's true then that would speak a lot against you know the communism world but yeah don't mean to get political no, but it's just something good. that's been on my mind and some with yeah a little bit more wisdom than me I, was... I'll, I'll tell you the answers that come right there are principles and you take the principles and apply them and go okay this is clear the bible doesn't talk on communism and you know, third Timothy, but you just are like, <laughs> you just take biblical principles and apply it. And that's where opinions can vary a little bit. Yeah. 
No, yeah. thank you. That answers it perfectly. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. Um, thanks, all you listeners. And, guys, let's hear it for Dr. Ben here. Oh, man. <laughs> thank Good you. Good Good Thank you, guys, for listening. Adios. Much love. Peace out.